This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. This is the Youth Worker Recharge. And something that I am constantly reminded of, Jeremy Steele, as we do these things is it's kind of like when you watch them live, it's almost like a Mm -hmm. living record of when I need haircuts because no for sure yeah like normally most of my zoomings <laughs> i'm only look at the person that i'm talking to but when we do this i see myself and i say oh wow it's it's time <laughs> um jeremy today we are um having a conversation that is going to probably take a couple of different like weird routes as we talk about it um people who lead youth ministries um yes the odds are you have been in a hiring process, an interview process mm-hmm. of some kind where the church where you got hired. If you have done that multiple right. times, you probably realize that there is not a standard hiring process that is out there. <laughs> Do you think that's accurate to say? I would, yes, I can 100% verify that um, from personal experience that uh, most churches do not have a standard hiring practice. Uh, I've done, I can verify that from the outside, having interviewed with churches and from the inside. Um, It is, it has been um, because for a while, there was a a little season where I was overseeing a lot of staff people. And when you oversee a lot of staff people, that means you're also hiring a lot of staff people. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, let's just say you have fixed direct reports. Um, if each of those people gives you six years, then on average, you're hiring one a year still. So, um, and because I was one of the departments that was constantly in that process, um, I would have a, the, the newest chair of the SPR committee, I would ask me, so what do you do? (laughs) And because we hired a lot of people, um, over the years, uh, we, uh, I developed a a rough um, hiring process uh, so that when they asked, I knew I was like, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. Now, nobody else in the organization followed it. Everybody had completely different processes, but um, ours was standardized. And I know just like nobody does that. Nobody, they, every time they're like, okay, we want, this type of a, like, they'll talk about a job description or whatever. And they're like, okay, so what do we do? Some people don't even think about the interview process until people have already applied. Right. I, I have, I have been consulting with churches um, who after we get the, uh, like, I, they will come to me and they're like, Oh, we're having a hard time finding people we've got these applicants. Could you help us? And I said, yeah, what's your process? And I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so yes, all of, all of those words just say yes. Um, <clears throat> when, and there are reasons for that, I suppose, right? Like each church kind of has its own context. They've got their own leadership. Um, but there are things like, you know, trying to figure out what a hiring process for a paid position at a church can look like or should look like that actually can be really, really healthy for 
a local church, right? Um, you mentioned SPR. If people don't know what those three letters are, usually that stands right. for something like a staff parish relations committee. Um, and what that means is it's a group of people that are um, volunteering their time who are members of the church um, to kind of help mm-hmm. administrate and, and do some of the like HR functions HR. Mm-hmm. of the church, right? Um, and if you were to get hired, not at a church, right? But with an organization, the odds are they would have some sort of hiring process that they already would have thought about what their application process looks like, what their interview process mm-hmm. looks like, what their selection criteria are, uh, and then right. how the you know job offer and those kind of things get made. So that's what we're going to talk about today. I do want to be specific that as we talk hiring processes today, like we are talking about paid youth ministry positions. Um, right. In podcasts, excuse me, or episodes past, we have talked about like sort of identifying and quote unquote hiring volunteers. Um, But this is not that, right? So we're going to go to a certain level of expectation with processes because this is a paid position. Um, But at the same time, I will say that a lot of churches uh, that are are medium or smaller um, will have a person who is basically a, an unpaid staff person correct right uh, that is running the whole youth ministry and i would say that even though you are not uh paying them there should be more of a process uh of of hiring an unpaid staff person um that is going to be running the whole deal than it than it is for a person who's going to come and serve spaghetti one night Oh, I completely agree with you. Um, And uh, at the same time, I think I want to say that that process probably should be more intensive than the person serving spaghetti, but less intensive than a person that you're going to end up compensating and employing as as part of the church, if that makes some sense. For sure. Um, It is a great point to be sure. So let's, let's start at the beginning, right? Like being proactive with figuring out the needs of your church and your, your job posting, right? So- When a youth minister is looking around for a position, um, what you know, uh, youth specialties, I think, still has a very, very uh, active job search board. It's probably the place that I refer most youth ministry people to um, when they're looking for positions. But that that church has already had to figure out where they're going to post their job description, what it's going to look like, and um, actually, I would love to talk just for a minute about what you think a youth ministry applicant should look for on a job description. Right. There might be certain right. things that are like green flags and certain things that are like red flags about a particular. So you're talking about from a youth pastor who's looking for a job perspective. Let's right? say I'm looking for a position. I see a, a job description posted. What are the green flags and red flags that I might be looking for on that job posting? Right. I I think absolutely at the top of the list is going to be um, look for compensation. Okay. Um, because, um, most churches do not put it, um, and the reason most churches do not put compensation down is one of two things, either they're going to try to lowball you or they are not offering a market rate. Right. Mm. Um, and what, what I tell people is, is when you are looking at youth ministry jobs, look in the area uh, the public schools have a schedule of pay for teachers that is public. Look at your experience level, look at the teachers, and you should be making similar to a public school teacher, right? If 
yeah, for your experience and education. Um, so that's a, that's a really, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I also, in the chat on our Facebook um, live stream and also here in our Zoom, I did put a link to a living wage calculator um, that's available mm -hmm. from MIT, which is a great place to do a little bit of research to kind of find out what a living wage um, in your area looks like, right? Because it figures out things by zip code and that kind of stuff. A couple things with those uh, teacher comp co uh, compensation levels. Um, there may be people out there that will still try to tell you that school teachers only work nine or 10 months of the year. Um, you and I both know that to be false. So right. if a church tries to, you know, say, well, we looked at school teacher salaries and then we, you know, deducted three months because teachers don't work in the summertime, not accurate, does not keep you on the same level. Also, the benefits conversation, right? So along with compensation, right. um, looking in a job description, if they have spent a little bit of time to outline what the benefits of working for the position look like, that can be really helpful. I do mean that in terms of like health insurance, life insurance, those sorts of things, but also other benefits that the church can offer in terms of uh, paid time off or continuing education opportunities or those kind of things. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think one of the green flags that I would look for is how you're going to be supported if you were to be selected as that staff person. And one for of the sure. ways that that can get listed in the job description is, you know, here's our expectations for continuing education. Here's how many days off you get a year. Here's how much self-care time you can get. Um, those kind of things in addition to the financial compensation. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I would look for <clears throat> red flags is, um, is you sort of have your own sense of theological perspective. Yeah. Um, and you need to look and say, does this church match sort of where I am theologically? Roughly. Nobody's exactly the same, but um, does this match? Because if not, it, it's just don't even look at it. Don't read the rest of the description. Don't don't apply because it, you, you don't want to be put in a position where you're going to have to sort of feel like you've got to compromise your own uh you know, theological, moral positions uh, because uh, because of this church. I, I think another thing is to read it, read it with the mind of like, they fired somebody <laughs> or somebody left. There's a reason this position this job is Right. This job description has been edited since then. And so sometimes job descriptions will go into an enormous amount of detail as to how and when you can be around students, mm. right? We have a safe sanctuary policy. That's normal. But sometimes the job descriptions will sort of betray some of the trauma that's happened recently. And, and it will help you say, okay, like, am I ready to go into a place where someone has really, really messed things up? You might be up for that. That might be fine with you, but just pay attention to that job description. The other thing that I, I look for um, is I Google, I, 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 I try to Google that church and jobs. Yeah. Because the other thing that will sometimes happen is you will find that a church has, um, has three, four, five jobs open at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's also another red flag that they are, that something is happening that is causing a lot of people to quit or get fired. And, Either of those things is something to like be very careful and very aware of. 
I'll, I'll be happy to be a little bit Pollyanna-ish as well, um, because something like a new church start might end up in that same position, right? Where for sure um, they're going to have a bunch of positions open, but recognize like you spending the time to see the job description, go to a church's website, go to their social media yeah. accounts and look at, you know, recent activity. When you're talking about that theological match or, or that like kind of mm-hmm. cultural match, those pieces, get a sense for who that community is and what they're going through, because there might be some perfectly good reasons like, hey, we just planted another um, another campus and half of our staff went to go, you know, see that new campus. Right. But also, like you said, it could be a situation where something hugely traumatic has happened and you yeah. might be stepping into uh, a room full of eggshells that you didn't realize existed. Right. Uh, OK. You know, and I think on yeah. the other side, on the church side, it's really important for you to get uh, what is. Um, what what are the deal breakers for you? Sure. Right. So when you are, you know, sometimes there are theological deal breakers. For example, um, I've had uh, I've had conversations with multiple churches over the years who are United Methodist churches who hired a Southern Baptist youth pastor, and um, and the Southern Southern Baptist youth pastor goes off to youth camp. And feels like it is his moral responsibility to baptize all of the people that uh, made a significant spiritual decision in the lake at camp, and um, and and that's not our, our understanding of baptism. Um, and so, it, you know, it's important to get some like get your get a, a list, and, and there shouldn't be a hundred things, right? But like, we don't even want to talk to somebody if. They believe this, they have done this, they have this attribute. I don't know what it is, right? But a, a lot of, but but it's really helpful because what's what you can do is if you're like, we want to make sure that they're okay with infant baptism, that they are okay with, you know, and the, they've got a handful of things. And, you know, like you're the particulars of your youth group. Maybe you have a lot of special needs uh, people in your youth group or whatever, Right. You can say these are the things that like we really are going to. And then you can have a 10 minute conversation with somebody to answer any initial questions. And just I call it the the um, deal breaker conversation. I want to ask I want to ask them these questions and hear their answers. And these are the things that like we don't need to waste each other's time. Right. I don't need to take you all with their process. I don't even need to spend money on a background check like if you are going to have a problem with the fact that we baptize babies, it, it, this isn't a, a fit for you, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, that theological piece, that might be a whole nother episode altogether at one point, right? Like yeah, um, right. what what does make, you know, like a United Methodist understanding of youth ministry and baptism and those things kind of unique in the grand scheme of things. Um, it, it's a really, really good point. I, th- I think I want to shift gears to that next step. So job description is posted. I'm somebody that is looking for a position. I, I thought that one was interesting. And I go ahead and put my application in using whatever instructions are listed on the job description, right? They're like email to this email address, send me a cover letter, yep. send whatever. Um, if I'm if I'm the church, if I'm on the, the receiving end of that stuff, I am looking for something that has followed the instructions that I have put out there. Um, right. whether how clear or how vague they are, right? Um, there mm-hmm. is something about that sort of being like your first introduction to these people that are leading whatever their hiring process looks like. So I always encourage a youth worker to follow the instructions on the job posting. If it asks for a cover yep. letter, send a cover letter. If it says right. email us, 
email us. Um, if you haven't heard back from somebody after you have sent in um, an application, I do think that um, it is perfectly reasonable, you know, within like a week, maybe two weeks to follow up with that same email address to make sure yep. that your application was received um, and perhaps ask some questions about what the hiring process looks like um, right. once you kind of have a, a follow up moment with that church, if that makes some sense. <laughs> Right. And on the church side, this is the time when you post that job description, you should also have decided how you're going to hire the person. Yeah. Uh, you need to understand, like, my process in general was a screening, com a phone screening, right? I didn't do it in person. I only did it over, over the phone. And it was 10 to 15 minutes. I was asking them about any missing information that they, you know, it, the, that they didn't fill out. and uh, and to ask about um, those sort of red flag things, phone screen. So we did phone screen. Then we did we did a a Zoom interview. Then we did with with just me. And then after that, it was with their team, and that could include whatever. And then depending on if it was at a high enough level in our organization, there was one more step, and that was an SPR interview. Um, that was only at the highest level. Um, and so, uh, but, but know that because somebody emails you um, and says, hey, I sent my stuff in, just checking in, make sure you got it, ask if you have a hiring process. You really do want to be able to send it back and say, hey, great. The job, post, the job posting closes on this date. Then we will have a first round of phone screening interviews and we'll go on from there. Um, but don't expect to hear back from us until X, right? That that honestly being able to have that basic level of information is genuinely important, right? Like, right. Uh, because that's going to not leave somebody hanging out there just, you know, not knowing because you may end up missing out on somebody who's really, really great because yep. you don't have clarity of process. Um, it also would give that applicant the opportunity as they're going through that process to say, hey, this isn't what you told me was gonna happen. So let right. me ask some questions about why we're doing this extra interview or why I'm now meeting with parents or why I'm now meeting, you know, like right. having that ask because, you know, what? It, from my personal story, right? Like, I don't know if I've ever told you the interview process I did at my first church, but um, submitted a written application, then was invited to um, come and meet with um, the hiring team, which was a staff person and a couple of volunteers. After that interview, I was inter uh, welcome to come back and do an interview with the student ministries, like leadership team, whatever their acronym at the right. church was. Uh, after that, Salt. me along, that's a great one, serving and leading team. <laughs> Did I get the acronym right? Was I close? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just, I've just heard that one used a lot. That one is a pretty good one. Uh, um, but after that, so I met with the student leaders and then there were two finalists. I was one of the finalists. We were both brought back on different Sunday nights to lead a sample youth group and then stay afterwards to meet with the parents. And then after that was the choice of the parents and the youth who all voted and then I could meet with the senior pastor who was going to make the final decision. And wow. it was. And they paid you 200000 a year. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, the, but, but I didn't know to ask what the process was. And that was what the process ended up being, right? Part of that was 
there was an incident with an earlier ministry leader, right? That they were really trying to screen through some stuff to make sure that the person they were going to pick was going to stick and and be around for a while. I'm grateful that they did. Um, I was also young and didn't know any better. Um, And honestly, if I was sitting in like any of those interviews now, um, there's a handful of questions that that I would want to make sure an applicant would ask of the church that they're going to. Um, so I'm just going to throw out maybe like seven, eight questions. And I want to hear, you know, how they hit you. I don't want your answer necessarily. Jerry. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to, I, I want to hear what thoughts. My answer is about. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Jesus in the Bible. Nailed yes. It. And right. Question. Good. All right. Um, You are a person that is starting a hiring process or an interview process with a church. One of the things I think it's really awesome to ask the people that are doing the search is what about this church makes you excited about ministry here? And why are you a part of this community? If the person doing the hiring is not excited about where they're serving, it's a sign, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, why is this position open and what brilliant support, question <laughs> and what support and training opportunities will I have in my first six months? That's fantastic. Yep. I think that, I think, I think what I didn't like about your first one yeah, um, was, is what I like about the second one. Like the first one was like, anybody could say anything, right? This one is very specific. <laughs> What happened? And <laughs> six months in, what, what am I going to have? Right, like that's that's really in, in, important. Good. All right. Next up, are there any concerns with my resume or qualifications? Uh, is there anything that you would like to discuss from the materials I submitted before we interview? That's great. Yeah, like proactive again, right? Like would kind of nip any concerns in right. in, in uh, kind of their origin. And if there are some theological differences or experience differences, it's going to give you a window into where the church is coming from. Um, can you describe what a typical day, week, or month schedule looks like for this position? Right, that's good. No, that's what I I generally ask the same thing. But at like, tell me. Uh, describe your average program week, like what happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You're asking that because you want to know sort of what's being expected of you, even if it hasn't been communicated in the job description. Right. Right? If they're asking you to do a Wednesday night Bible study and then turn around for a Thursday morning, early morning uh, breakfast devotional group. Yep. You're going to want to know that particularly if you're like not a night owl or an early bird. Right. Um, Right. All right. A couple more. Um, what does success in youth ministry look like to your church? A lot Great. of churches have a hard time answering that one. Um, and their default answer is often numbers. Um, and yep. so we might have to whole, actually take another episode to be able to kind of talk about what does success in youth ministry look like outside yes. of this. What are the metrics? Yeah. Uh, what's a piece of advice you would give me if I were in, if you were in my shoes? Run. <laughs> the person doing no, the hiring great. says that answer that's right take them seriously yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely take them take that advice <laughs> yeah um well there you go and then uh for uh there's actually you know a kind of a subset of folks as well that i i have three extra questions that i encourage internal candidates to ask so like mm-hmm. when we're talking hiring there are 
like external hires that you look for in youth ministry, but often, right, churches sort of look inside. Um, there's that longtime yeah. volunteer or there's somebody who really has been kind of awesome and has come up and has been doing seminary work or, or you know, growing mm-hmm. into a leadership position within the church. And the church looks and says, well, why would we look anywhere else? We've got somebody inside. So three specific right. questions for somebody coming from inside the church. In what ways do you see this changing my relationship with church staff? Because you're moving from being a member of the congregation to being a paid staff person. And uh, I can say from personal experience, right? Like it's different to get to know somebody as you're working with them, uh, as opposed to just experiencing their leadership, like from the pulpit uh, or leading other areas of ministry. Uh, Next, um, how will you support my future spiritual and professional growth as I take this next step in leadership for our church? And finally, for internal candidates, what do I need to know about our church to make youth ministry successful that I might not already know? Um, Because as you step kind of closer into the circle, you are going to discover more and more things about the church where you have grown up or been formed. Um, Some of them might be pleasant surprises, and some of them might be stories that you're like, I can't believe this happened, and I had no clue this was going on. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. All right. So there we are with those. Um, Hiring process-wise, hopefully we've gotten to interviews. You mentioned that at least a couple of interviews, even in your process, seemed to make the most sense. There was kind of like an initial and a follow-up. Yeah. And here's here's what I, I'd love to get your response to, Chris. Actually, I actually have two questions for you. First one, though, is, is around your insanely complicated process. Um, uh, there was a whole time where you like have to be up in front of everybody, um, putting on a little show. Yeah. Um, as part of your interview, there were a lot of students, there was some voting. Um, what, what do you think is the ideal role for students to play in a hiring process from a church? Oh man, that is a amazing question. Thank you for <laughs> offering that one up for me. Um, so here's here's how I'm going to approach it, right? Um, I really believe strongly in the voices of young people and the importance of developing student leaders as a part of youth ministry. Mm-hmm. I think that the youth who you have identified as leaders or who the church has identified as leaders and are in leadership positions need to be able to carry some kind of weight and some kind of feedback in a selection process and in an interview process. Um, Depending on your church, I don't know if that is like, you know, one youth who's a representative of the youth leadership team or um, is serving on the one church council or something like that. But having at least one or two young people who have leadership characteristics and buy in for the direction of the church need to be involved in the selection process, okay? Their their votes need to carry quite a bit of weight. Um, Part of what made me really um, ask myself a lot of questions about that hiring process I mentioned already was that like, I had no idea who the final decision makers were, right? Right. Um, And and honestly, if, and this was at like a medium to large size church. So, you know, the night that I, I do the activity, I come in, there's probably... 45 to 50 youth plus their parents and everybody's watching and everybody's participating. Um, and then at some point they, they took a vote, right? Like after, after yeah. I was gone 
And and I think that's really hard because you, you could find yourself in a situation if I got 50 people voting and you know what? It was 27 to 23. Yep. Those 23 people are going to feel really disenfranchised. And so I think you have to identify a couple of leaders that you entrust and that you help yes. walk along in your hiring process. And that's that's where you put your energy. All right. That was a long answer. Whatever you do, do not vote. <laughs> I'm just going to put this out there. Don't do that. And here's why. Um, because fast forwarding in our little scenario here, you vote especially don't have students vote. You vote and there's a clear winner. It's Wilcherdink all the way, right? And you offer the job to Wilcherdink and Wilcherdink, he's a rock star. Everybody wants Wilcherdink. <laughs> he just got offered a position at a much more prestigious place for a lot more money and a lot more of everything. He took that position. Mm. So then you... You uh, offer to the next person, the next person. And at some point, somebody says, yes. But when that person shows up on day one, everyone in the room knows that they were not the first choice. And they know who voted against them. And it sets those people up for an uphill battle. Oh, like, it does. Even if, even if you got your first choice, there were still, unless it was unanimous, there were still people who voted against them. And that will put a hindrance into yeah. that relationship. Those people will most likely leave. It's, it's a mess. So do not get a large group of people to listen to somebody, give a sermon, and vote on them. Also, that's not something that necessarily qualifies somebody for a job. Uh, as a youth pastor, sure. there are a lot of youth pastors who are incredible and absolutely stuck standing in front of a large group speaking. That's okay. Like that's not the key to effective youth ministry. Everybody has their own things that they're good at um, and they can play to their strengths and, you know, supplement. So uh, I think I, I have lots of problems with your with the so, process that you went through. I'm, I'm so sorry you had to weather that storm, Chris. I mean, look at where I am now. I mean, <laughs> um, but the the um, the couple you're of on a podcast with me right, with Jeremy Steele. Um, so the couple of thoughts <laughs> I give you, right? Um, uh, the the voting piece, right? So find representatives who are trusted leaders, volunteers, mm -hmm. parents, youth. Make a small team yes. that is charged small. with making the decision. And then yes. make sure that your process is clear to that team and, and everybody within that small team has to be unanimous in their choice when things get announced and when choices get made and that kind of stuff happens. Um, to your point about the activities, um, yeah, it's a huge point. Um, and so when somebody is doing a hiring process, what might it look like to try to involve, you know, the invitation of some submission for things that an applicant feels particularly gifted about being able to do? Um, because somebody that can lead a group of 50 people might not be really great at administration and behind the scenes stuff um, and relationship building within a church, right? Like that's a huge deal. Um, so finding some, you know, what, whatever your interview process steps look like, make sure that you are inviting that person to showcase the best of what they're about in youth ministry. And then I'd say for those student leaders that are involved, um, it's they, people in church world, forget when they have student leaders there, that this is the first time they have ever 
been in anything close to this. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yep. They don't know what the expectations are. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know if there's a vote. They don't know any of that. And so it's going to be really important before and after every one of the meetings that, that, that a student is involved in to, to prep them beforehand. What's going to happen? Sure. Do they have any questions? Mm-hmm. And then afterwards to debrief with them, right? Yeah. And, be, and to make sure that you're saying, you're sort of spelling things out. You're like, okay, we're going to offer this guy the job. But like, so you know, sometimes people turn it down. Sometimes it's not because they didn't like us. There's all kinds of reasons. But like we will, it's possible that we'll have another person. We'll have to get another round of candidates. And so like prepping them for the reality of that kind of stuff is so important uh, because uh, even though it's really important to have them, they can be really hurt by those processes um, when they don't understand what's going on, when their voices aren't valued. But Chris, my real question is, all right, we posted the job. We put, we know what we want. We know all of the qualifications, right? We're going to get a person who has two seminary degrees and all of the things. Mm. Um, And then we don't get that applicant, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. Is it okay? To go with the person that that was not is not actively attended a church in three years, or the person that you know, with the lowest common denominator. Like, what, what do you do? Okay, um, great question. And my first way of answering it is actually going to tie back to what you mentioned in terms of preparing young people or volunteers to being part of the hiring process. Um, mm-hmm. If you are doing interviews. Plan those interviews out so that you've got the interview questions that your team is going to ask well beforehand, right? Assign different people in that team to ask different questions during the course of the interview. And when you've got those labeled, right, like you know who's asking which questions, go ahead and create like a little scoring rubric, okay? Um, Mm -hmm. Like on a scale of one to five, how much did I like this person's answer? And what are some notes or what are some things that stuck out to me from this person's answer that I would like to talk about with this hiring team or this, you know, small group once the interviews are done. Okay. The reason I like that is because then once the interview is over, your team can come together. Everybody's got the same questions. Everybody's got the same notes. Mm -hmm. Everybody's Mm going to have different scores. And honestly, you can total up a person's score and say, okay, listen, if somebody didn't cross like this threshold of, do we think they would be a fit on a numerical scale, right? Like if we had 10 questions, each of them could be up to five points. Um, If somebody scores less than 35 out of 50, is that somebody that I would want to welcome into a leadership position in our church? Right. Right. Uh, Because if I was thinking just strictly sort of like on academic numerical scales, 35 out of 50 in an academic setting is a passing grade, but it's not blowing me away. Right. Right. So is our church in a position that we want to hire this person that isn't necessarily blowing us away, but seems to be checking enough of the boxes that we we think are important that it would be okay or not. Right. So that Mm -hmm. gives you kind of a numerical one. Um, The second part of the answer that I would have to that question um, honestly goes back to our planning and the discussion that we had about job description at the beginning. Sometimes churches create Mm -hmm. job descriptions that cannot be done. Right. 
um, whether it's the hours or the credentials or the experiences that somebody's asking for compared with the compensation level or the context in which somebody's going to serve, you don't find the person that you think you need because you haven't really looked at the job description and made it realistic. Okay. So if you find yourself mm -hmm. not getting the candidates that you wanted to get, um, usually I recommend that people don't hire that person then, right? Like sometimes it's bad luck of the draw and, you know, you just don't get a great pool of applicants. Um, honestly, I think it's more important to look for the right person or the right people than it is to kind of force a wrong fit um, because then you're going to have to do this whole process over again in a year or two years yeah. because it wasn't the right fit. Um, and part of that process is going back to look at the job description and say, okay, what, what did we include in here that just might not be realistic or reasonable, you know, for all the things that I wrote out for what this person has to do, did I write out a position that requires 60 hours a week, but we're underpaying somebody who's technically mm -hmm. only supposed to work 40? If so, Great. you got some questions you got to answer there. Also, does this need to be a paid staff position? I see a lot of like smaller to medium-sized churches that really want a paid staff person in youth ministry or children's ministry for that matter, right? Like we could pick the age level ministry. Um, they think they want a staff person to hire to do that ministry because that will show that their church is invested in that age level. Um, right. And I will be the bearer of bad news and say, that's not necessarily the case, right? Like there are times where yeah. you might think that by saying, hey, we've hired a youth minister and, and that means we hire the we honor the youth and we respect the youth in our congregation. Sometimes that can mean you're looking to outsource youth ministry to this paid right. position as opposed to really embracing it as a whole community. And I think, so this is one of the things that, especially in rural areas um, or in places that are rural in comparison to big cities, but are not actually, wouldn't even consider themselves rural. I was consulting with a church that was the the biggest town in this in this county sure. uh, or in a couple of county areas but it still was a tiny town right um there were rural they, there was an area that they considered rural but they weren't in it um but the idea but the the issue with some of those places is that there's not a lot of people yeah and uh and even if you had a youth pastor for 10 years and it was great you might find that it's difficult to find a replacement because you just don't have that many people. And because, uh, you know, a lot of those places are actually um, declining in population, people are not moving there. So you might not be able to attract a person to move to that place. And in those cases, I think it's, it's important to ask yourself that question, right? Like how, how long are we willing to wait to see if we can find somebody? Yeah. And just go ahead and put a number on that. And then simultaneously, if, if your sort of first round just doesn't produce any candidates that you feel like you could, you, 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 you need to consider, um, step back and say, okay, now let's think creatively. We have X number of dollars that we would put in a person's salary. How can we do something different? Right. Yeah. Some churches will um, pay, you know, for part-time adults, right? Or uh, for part-time young adults. Or they will say, you know what? We're going to put all this money into mileage for our volunteers, right? Sure. 
yeah. and training and mileage for our volunteers or, or, or whatever it is. Like we're going to, we're going to reimagine how to use that funds to, to do this ministry. Um, because sometimes you get volunteers that are burnt out and it's because they haven't been helped. And a little bit of uh, thank you of help of compensation of making sure that they're somebody's paying for their gas and all of that mm-hmm. um, can go a long way. Um, even when you don't really have candidates. Yeah. And I love that idea, right? Especially if it's, it's if it's reinvesting in the leadership development of youth, right? Like if you're able right. to take that and say, listen, we've got some youth leaders that we really want to, you know, see grow and, and continue to, to blossom in terms of their faith formation and discipleship. You know, perhaps we could take some of that money. And if there is a like conference gathering or a training or, you know, something like that, that we could sponsor our young leaders to attend and be a part of so that they can come back mm-hmm. and be part of a different model of ministry. Huge and incredible. Um, you and I talked for longer than usual for this particular podcast episode. So That's right. obviously we care a lot about it, right? Like we want youth uh, ministers to find themselves in the right fit. Uh, when they're looking for paid staff positions. We also want churches to be able to find the right leaders for their ministries because as you know, Jeremy, like the constant churn of always hiring somebody and always onboarding somebody um, takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort. And if you're intentional about the hiring process, it can really minimize the amount of turnover that you have. And, And there's something about consistency and longevity in youth ministry that that I think yeah. is starting to be realized as really important um, and maybe has been undervalued for a long time. Anyway, yeah. closing thought from you, because we talked for a long time today. Yeah. Uh, closing thought is um, as a church, if you're hiring, um, just be intentional and clear, right? I should say intentional, clear, and sort of um, like clear eye, like don't expect more than you can. Don't reach for further than you can reach. Uh, be be realistic. Yeah, well done. All right, Jeremy, always appreciate you. Those of you who watch us live on Facebook, we do the Youth Worker Recharge um, just about every Monday, unless there's uh, holidays or something like that that happens. And we usually try to get that started uh, around two o'clock central time. So hope you hang out with us again for our next Youth Worker Recharge. And uh, Jeremy, we'll see you next week. See you next week.